This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, day one of shooting is done. I know, I'm so psyched. This is good. Day one, so good. Hilarious. Really. I can't wait to see it. I know. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ohio outside of LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life and less. In today's episode, we discuss how adding a personal touch at work can make a big impact. Then this week's HIHWFH, Happier in Hollywood Work From Home segment, is HIHWF Hotel because (laughs) we are in Puerto Rico. So we're going to assess what we really need when we work out of a hotel. Next, in the craft and fame, we talk about story versus moves. One creates great TV, the other not so much. And finally, this week's Hollywood hack will save you from getting hangry. But first, Liz, we have an update. One of my favorite, maybe ever. (laughs) In episode 248, we talked about embracing a new identity, and we got a lot of really great emails in response to this, but we had to share (laughs) this one from Jennifer. She wrote, after 16 years of marriage and three children, I found that my wife and I had taken to the identity of moms, tired moms, to be more precise. The countless chores, chauffeuring, and my wife's hectic schedule as an ER physician found us both exhausted and with very little energy for very much more. A few months ago, after dropping kids off at school and feeding and walking the dogs, we were home alone. And sparks flew. Okay, we lit the roof on fire. It was so great that we now look forward to our midweek encounters and find ourselves feeling sexy and romantic. While I still identify as a mild-mannered, exhausted mom on most days, I know that I can also identify as sexy hot lover, even if it's just to my wife and me. <laughs> All right, Jennifer, I love that Go identity, for it. Sarah. That is very yes. inspiring. Hot, sexy lover it is. That's more interesting than my corgi mom identity that I've <laughs> taken on. Okay, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk Sub, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's even at work, the personal touch matters. Yes. So, Sarah, we get very caught up in the grind of work and urgent deadlines. And so it's easy to let the little niceties slip through the cracks. But we've been reminded recently of how important those personal touches are. Yes. This trip to Puerto Rico, when we got to our hotel rooms, there was a lovely bag from production with... Each of us had a lovely bag waiting for us in our hotel rooms with a binder for all of our Fantasy Island 
documents. It had sunscreen. It had bug spray, which is the most important thing for me (laughs) while here. (laughs) We had some fruit waiting for us. It was just so nice. And the bag had a little personalized tag. It was just a really nice treat to walk into the room. With. Yeah, such a cute bag. It also had a guava cookie. Guava is very big in Puerto Rico, and it is absolutely <laughs> delicious. So that was particularly uh, exciting to me. But it really did make us feel welcome. It did, and both of us had forgotten to bring pool bags. So this bag is perfect to take to the pool. Not that we'll be going to the pool, but <laughs> Violet will be going to the pool. Yes. So it's great for her. <laughs> And Sarah, it made us think about personal touches in general. And one personal touch that Sean Ryan did, uh, The Shield, was always write a letter to every guest star and send it to them, thanking them for being on the episode. And we've never done that, but we were thinking we really want to do that this season because I think people will appreciate it. And it's funny because last season, we were just so under the gun. We were so, mm-hmm. uh, whatever metaphor, drowning, um, <laughs> you know, behind the eight ball, whatever you want to say, we were feeling it. Now we have, yeah. we're still under it, but we have a little more room to breathe and it allows us to think about things like sending thank you notes to actors. Yes. And The Shield had a lot of guest actors. And I remember Sean sitting in the writer's room and Signing and personalizing notes, it was a really, really thoughtful thing to do. And we have talked about it before. I should admit, yes. we have talked about doing we this before. To do it. <laughs> yes, I think on every single show we've done. But yeah. now we have a process. Lauren, our amazing assistant, is on top of it and we'll make sure that it happens. And it's just a nice way to tell people you appreciate them. I think especially on this show, and our guest stars are so important, and they really have a huge presence in every episode. Being able to kind of acknowledge everything they're bringing to the show is going to be a really, really, I think we're going to like it probably more than (laughs) even they will. (laughs) Absolutely. And I must say, in my personal life, I'm woefully bad about sending thank you notes, but hopefully we'll do better at work. Yes. And maybe this will inspire us both to do better in our personal lives with that as well, because I'm also really not good about that. Well, Sarah, we would love to hear from listeners. How do you use the personal touch in your professional lives? One, it's just fascinating to find out. And two, we will likely use your ideas in our professional (laughs) lives. Indeed. Okay, coming up, from good Wi-Fi to ample caffeine, our must-haves as we WFH work from hotel. But first, this break. Okay, it's time for a new HIH WFH segment. But today, instead of talking about working from home, we're talking about working from a hotel. That's what we're doing right now. We know a lot of you have to do this as well. We thought we were experts after four months (laughs) working from a hotel in Puerto Rico, but this trip, we're actually, in a way, learning even more about what we need. Yes, it's funny because we were staying at A hotel that was like a bit, I guess I'd say, random when we first arrived. I mean, it's just a corporate hotel in downtown San Juan. And we realized the hotel had a lot of things that were really 
great for us. That made our experience <laughs> so much better than even in staying in like a much higher end, more luxury hotel. So you and I really spent time analyzing what do we need in a hotel when we're going to be working from there? Because even though there are these corporate hotels often seem the same, like what's the difference between this one and that one and the other one, there are a lot of little amenity differences that could make a big impact on your stay. So it's good to sort of research Well, first of all, to know what you need, and then when you're going to go to research, what does each hotel offer? Yes, because so much of what we sort of think about first is location, and location is important, but for us, what we realized at this corporate hotel in San Juan is that the location really wasn't as important as what was available to us in the hotel. Because a lot of time before we went, we were like, okay, where is it? What's it close to? What, you know, and it was very close to the production office, which was great. We had to go over there. It was literally a three-minute walk. That was great. Yes, but we were very concerned about like, are there restaurants nearby? Are we going to be able to walk to restaurants? What we realized is that was a silly concern because... (laughs) When we're working at a hotel, we never have time to leave, to walk anywhere, to have a decent meal. It's just not a real relevant issue for us. Yes. So what matters to us is, is there food available in in the hotel at the hours we need? Is it decent? Because that's where we're going to eat 90% of our meals. Yes. And this hotel had something that I have never appreciated before, but which from now on is something that I will always try to get, which is a, and in COVID times, it sounds a little maybe like, ah, but let's assume things are getting better and it's all going to be okay. <laughs> so it had kind of a buffet style breakfast with real food, like eggs, bacon, pancakes on Saturday, and with like yogurt and cereal and uh, fruit and coffee, lots and lots of coffee. (laughs) And there was a large window of time when you could go. Yes. And ample seating, indoors and outdoors. And it was free. And just so simple. Yeah, so every morning we would go down there, we would have breakfast, we would start talking about the day, figuring out our schedule, and it was just an easy, easy way to start the day rather than having to worry about breakfast in any form. Also important, Sarah, to me, probably number one, well, maybe not number one, but up there, a coffee maker (laughs) in the room. I must have coffee. Now, it was probably less important at this hotel because it did have the coffee downstairs, which was available for a good stretch of time. But I love having a coffee maker in the room. And in fact, when we were in Puerto Rico last year, the coffee maker in the room wasn't working for me. So I actually bought a coffee maker because I'm like, I had to have it. But we're only here three weeks, so I didn't want to have to buy a coffee maker. So I'm happy to say that hotel and the one we're in now the El Conquistador Resort does have a coffee maker. Also, Sarah, Wi-Fi. Oh, my God. I mean, good, reliable Wi-Fi is so essential. And so many places don't have it. This is something that, I mean, we recommend calling ahead, looking online for reviews of a given hotel's Wi-Fi. It is so important 
especially if you're working, to have reliable Wi-Fi. I mean, we have... We have gone mad trying to complete things that had yes. deadlines that needed to go out, moving from location to location, trying to get good Wi-Fi. It's it, That is something that really needs to be seamless. Yes. We also appreciated that this hotel had a bar. And I think if you're working at a hotel and you're having long days and you're working with other people, it is nice to be able to go have a glass of wine with them. Again, it's a way to either just unwind and socialize or at the end of the day to talk about the day, talk about the next day. So we enjoyed that. Yes. Last night we had drinks with our two guest actors for episode one who have not been announced. So they're still very secret, but we're, we're yes. very excited to be having drinks with them at a rooftop bar that was outside. So again, it felt like safe and amazing view. Yes, a good socializing spot, bar or not bar, but a good socializing yes. spot, I think is really important. Important to me to have a robe. I will say on this trip, I don't have a robe in either of the hotels we're staying at. So, but you can't get everything. And then you and I have realized, and this may not be true for all people working together. In fact, you may feel the opposite about this than Sarah and I feel, just depends on your work situation, is that we have been on the same floor in the last two places, and that has just makes our life so much easier. Yes. And last year at the Hyatt, it was a little different. We were basically on the same beach. Yes. And that was that nice, was too. Nice. <laughs> yes, that was really great. But that just awesome. it's all about convenience. And even yeah. though it doesn't seem like a big deal, like, oh, what if we were two floors apart and you just have to take an elevator two floors up or two floors down? The truth is, it's just easier. Like if I'm in your room and I realize, oh, I forgot my charger, it's just so much easier to just quickly be able to go yeah. back and forth. And so that's something in the past, we've kind of just let it happen as it happens. But I think we're going to really make a point of being on the same floor. Yes. And then easy access to food in general, whatever that means in the context of where you're staying. Having room service for us is really good because we are working in two different time zones. So right when we're ready to eat is when we should be getting on a Zoom with LA. Being able to have room service so basically we can work at all hours of the day is really helpful. Right now, this hotel doesn't have that because they're renovating. I think in usual times they do, but that does make it harder for us to sort of <laughs> take care of basic Just, things yes, while working function. as many hours as we need to work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, now everybody is intimately aware, Sarah, of what we need, but our point is just think about what things you need when you're working yeah. at a hotel and actually make sure they're there because it can vastly change your experience, both in terms of your comfort level and your efficiency. Absolutely. Coming up, we're going to talk about the difference between moves and story when you are designing an episode of television. But first is break. Okay, it is time for our The Craft and Fane segment, where we discuss the craft of writing for television. Some people think it's an art, and it is, but we think of it as a craft. Yes, it's not just inspiration. It's understanding character and structure and arcs and all of those elements that make up an episode of television. 
Today, we're going to talk about our favorite and honestly kind of hardest lesson, mm-hmm. which is story versus moves. Yes. So when you're breaking an episode of TV, you figure out what every scene is, and there's a difference between telling a story in those beats versus just having moves in those beats. And a story is when plot and character intertwine. It's what's happening to the character and how it affects them. And it's kind of the thing that makes you care. Like, if you care about what's happening, that means it's a good story. If you don't care about what's happening, that probably means you're watching a bunch of moves. Right. And moves are plot without character, which sounds simple, but it's so not simple. It's very tempting to just look at a whiteboard and write down a bunch of moves because it's like, oh, well, that's cool. That's an act break. That's a twist. Whoopee, that'll be fun. But if it's just a move, it doesn't matter. It won't be good. It might be cool on the screen for five seconds, but it's not going to do anything to tell your story. And it's hard because very often we start with moves. If we don't know what a story is yet, it's very easy to just throw a bunch of moves on the board. Right. And then you realize, oh, this really isn't going anywhere interesting, or I don't care what's happening. And it took us a long time to understand the difference, and I think it does for most people. Like when we were on Angel, for instance, which was one of our first jobs, often the upper-level writers would come in and like talk about what was happening on the board, and they would say, this is all moves. It's not a story. And we'd be like, but it's so cool when Angel does this. It's so cool when Angel does that. And it's like, yeah, it's a great move. It's not a story. And It took us, honestly, like years to kind of at a gut level know the difference. And now we're the people being like, that's a move. That's a move. It's just a move. (laughs) And I'd much rather be in our position now than back then when I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah. Why is it a move? Why is it just a move? But the good thing, Liz, I will say, is that You know, we talk a lot about lessons we've had to learn over and over and over. This is not a lesson you have to relearn. Once you get it, once you really understand the distinction between a beat that is tied to story and a beat that is just a move, you will never forget it. You will never go back to those days when you were like, why is it just a move? You'll be the person going, oh, it's just a move. And when you get to that place, that means you can make everything better. Then you know inherently, wait a minute, we can do this, but it has to be something that connects to our character, something that changes our character. It's not just about turning the story, right? It's about how it changes your people, the people that your audience is there for and they're invested in. Yeah, and like an example of this, I would say, um, for anybody who's been watching Fantasy Island, is in the pilot of Fantasy Island, we had a character named Christine, and her fantasy was to be able to eat as much as she wanted and not gain weight. Well, that's fun and interesting, but if you just have her go around eating things, that's not a story. The story came out of... Why did Christine have this fantasy? What did she need to reckon with to sort of get to the other side of it? And once we started thinking about, okay, who is Christine? What, how did she grow up? 
what does she need in life versus what does she want and just eating a lot of eclairs. That's when the Which story— Which sounds great, by the way. Yes, yes, <laughs> I would like that. We would all like to do that. <laughs> that led us to an actual story where we said, oh, and her, she had had issues with her stepfather growing up. So then we went, oh, and of course, the stepfather has to show up on the island— because that's what she needs to reckon with in order to get to her happy ending. So once we knew who Christine was and what she was battling, that's when the story unfolded. And eat him. Yeah, and eat him. Not every story will end with someone eating their stepfather, but, you know, sometimes it needs to happen. And what we realized is that when you actually know what the story is, I mean, the key is to knowing what the story is before you just start throwing beats on the board. Because once you know what the story is, once you understand who the character is, often a story will just lay itself out for you. Yes. And again, that is something that happened all the time on Angel. We'd beat our heads against the wall for two weeks. And then once everybody understood the story, it would be broken in a matter of, I don't want to say minutes, but an hour easily. Yes. And we are people, and and this started on that show, who lay in act breaks to understand a structure. But we always know that those act breaks are story act breaks, not move act breaks. Yes. And when we come into a room now and the room has been breaking a story without us, we are the people who go right to the act breaks and go... That feels like just a move. (laughs) Yeah. And then we feel bad. (laughs) Yes. But it's also true. And it needs to become something that that is necessary for the character and for the character's story. Yeah. So if you're out there writing a spec pilot, as many are, think about what is your story and make sure that every beat makes sense. If you're telling the right story, every single beat makes sense and unfolds in a way that is natural and organic and compelling. And if it's just moves, that's when people zone out. Look at your script and, and, and analyze it. And see how every beat is, is affecting your character. Yes. And of course, Sarah, we'll say this to each other all the time. We're not totally immune. Oh, I'll God, pitch yes. something and it'll be a no, move, no. or you'll pitch something, it'll be a move. Moves are very, as you said, tempting. Oh, they're delightful. I mean, they're like the <laughs> siren on the rock calling yes. you in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you just have to avoid them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Liz, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. Again, very related to traveling, very essential Bring bars. Yes. Sarah, last year, I brought a bunch of bars with me to Puerto Rico, and you were very envious of my deep bar supply. I was. I wasn't just envious. I actually many times got bars from your deep bar supply. (laughs) Yes, I ate your bars and then ordered my own. It is so amazing, especially if you're traveling around and you don't know when you're going to be able to stop for food. You don't know if there are snacks around the corner or five hours away to just have a bar in your bag or have a bar in your hotel room that you know you like. For me, it just alleviates stress. I have these gluten-free Nugo bars with me on this trip, which are what you had last trip. Yes. And I'm just, I have a huge stack of them on the dresser. I have a couple in my backpack, a couple in my bag. And I'm just like, okay, whatever happens with this day, I know I've got a bar available to me. Yeah. And the key to this hack is not to bring one or two bars. It is to bring boxes of bars so that you just are never worried about running out of your supply. 
Because as we've said, getting food is not always easy. So it's just nice to know it's there. I brought this trip, Sarah, um, two boxes of Fiber One bars, which are 70 calories each. They're really kind of a perfect snack or light breakfast. And it does just give me comfort knowing they're there. Of course, being type 1 diabetic, if my blood sugar goes low, it's a major problem. So I'm really aware of always having something for my blood sugar if I need it. Yeah, and Sarah, I wouldn't have thought we needed to tell people about this, except for the fact that you were so shocked and amazed by my bar supply last year that I realized not everybody knows this trick. No, exactly. And now we tell our writers who are coming to Puerto Rico after us, heads up, make sure you bring bars. You know, Adria's coming for three weeks after we leave. She is already preparing her bar supply. <laughs> so obviously it's not something that everyone thinks about. And it's it really makes a difference in your stress level during travel. Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, king of remote recording, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13, and as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group, the best Facebook group ever. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Okay, Liz, I think the funicular is just down the hall if we're going to take it down to the marina for lunch. Yes, let's do that. And we'll just have to tell Lauren to tell the room that we're going to be a little late because as we were talking about in this (laughs) episode, we have to eat at some point. Yes, (laughs) not just bars. (laughs) From the Onward Project.